Hello and welcome to another episode of the Focus Seacast. I'm your host, Focus, and today I'm talking with the Lars of Yonder Mountain Nursery and Chris of Esoteric Agriculture. We talk about the varieties that they grew for seed this year for my site. We also talk at the end a little bit about growing true potatoes and just kind of talk about growing in general. If anyone is interested in purchasing some of the seeds we talk about, you can visit my website, focusseeds.com. That's P-H-O-C-A-S. I've also started a monthly email newsletter. For this month, I'm offering all subscribers 20% off any order over $10 until the end of the month of January. If you'd like to sign up, visit my website, Focus Seeds, or send me an email at focusseeds at protonmail.com. Without any further delay, let's get to this episode. Yeah, I mean, I thought it would be cool to go over like the stuff that you grow that's up on the site so people could get, you know, like a little bit yeah. more insight into like the variety. Because I just wrote, you know, short descriptions that were maybe like, you know, three or four sentences, just a paragraph. But I know you've, you've spent a lot of time with the plants, so you'll have a lot more to, to say about them. All right. So the stuff that I provided this year, the first thing I'll talk about is it's a winter squash called Fortna's White pie pumpkin and that variety it's a mixta or an argerosperma type squash whatever you want to call it that type of squash tends to be extremely disease and insect resistant i think where i'm at in central pa is probably about the limit as far as a cold climate where you can produce this successfully those types of squashes do better in a warmer climate um, the variety in question, it's actually native to a family that's probably only lives 10 miles from here. So I feel like it's really well adapted to this area. It's a real attractive squash. It's a sort of a white gumdrop shaped. It would make a really nice ornamental squash, and I do use them for that. But it is a good edible squash. Um, that type of squash, the flavor is more mild. It's a lighter yellow color, but it is a real good tasting squash. It's sweet. It's just really nice, productive. It's reliable. And not many people seem to have it. Yeah, I noticed that I couldn't really find a ton of information on it other than it was, you know, where it originated from in Pennsylvania. And that one yeah. family had been growing it forever. But yeah, I, I didn't see a lot about how it tasted. But um, so you're in zone five, right? Are you are you six? Where I'm really are. on the border of six and seven. Oh, okay. Um, All right. We just have like some awfully hot summers here sometimes. Um, so that makes it a good, a good squash. But I feel like if you were to grow it in a zone six that had a, a cooler summer, you might have trouble with it. Oh, really? Cause I'm in zone five. Um, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know if I, I'd have a problem here. Um, Cause I mean, it gets pretty warm during the summer. I know Lars, you, may be you, fine. you might not yeah. be able to grow where you're at. Um, I'd be curious to see how it would do. Yeah. New Hampshire. yeah. Yeah. We should try it out next year. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I only, yeah. I only say that because the only time I've really seen that variety written up is in the Amy Goldman squash book. I have that book and she rates it really poorly for edible characteristics. And I don't find that to be the case. It's a good eating squash. I've always figured that, it just didn't do well um, in a place with a cooler summer than what I have. Okay. So maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm going to try to grow some out because it sounds like a pretty interesting squash and it's a different species than 
than the stuff that I usually grow. So I don't think I'll have sure. to worry about cross pollinating with that one. Is yeah. That, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's cool, man. Um, so I also provided one called Apoquinamink pumpkin. Um, that one I haven't been growing as long. I got the seeds of that last year from the Roughwood seed collection. Um, I did a grow out of it last year and I was pretty impressed. It's a Maxima type squash. And for a Maxima squash, it was really hardy, insect disease resistant, vigorous, productive. Maximas are a little tougher where I'm at because it is so hot here. We have a lot of insect and disease pressure. It did well. Um, the history of that one's a little muddled. I can't find a ton of really good information on it. Other than that, it seems to be kind of similar to the Nanticoke squash. It's definitely a Delaware or um, Delmarva Peninsula type variety, which again, is it's close enough to the area where I'm at. It's not exactly the same climate, but it seems pretty close and it does well. Yeah, you were saying that one had like less variation than, a, than the Nanticoke. Yeah, it definitely of, does. Yeah. Uh, Nanticoke is like a really wild land race with ridiculous variation. And Apoquinamink, it's more like variation on a theme. Most of them are more or less like a gray-green, roughly buttercup type, bigger than a buttercup. Um, maybe more, more tending on the green or grayish than like, but a few, occasionally I get a few red or orange ones. But... It's, it's been a pretty good squash. Like, um, I've been, been impressed with how well it keeps. It's a good keeping squash. So nice. it's good. Yeah. yeah. And then I know you, uh, gave me some of those, um, Dill's Atlantic giant seeds. Yeah. Those, yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I've realized trying to do a seed grout for that. I know now why the seed is expensive. It is hard yes. to produce. <laughs> it's really hard to produce that seed. They tend to want to germinate inside the pumpkin. And then it seems like a lot of them in the fermentation stage, they germinate. While they're drying after fermentation, they germinate. And you just lose a lot of them one way or the other. And it, yeah, that's problematic. I don't know how to do it better. And maybe that's something I need to research more, but yeah, that was, that was an interesting one. Yeah. Cause I did the germination tests on those and I was like, oh man, these are not great. This is weird. Like it was just weird. Yeah. And then I was yeah. looking it up. I'm like, yeah, all these other seed companies only, only carry them, you know, like 10 seeds and they're like, you know, five, six bucks for 10 seeds. And they even have like a disclaimer on them that like they have erratic germination and you know, yep. and basically you just want to get like one or two of them to germinate and then you're, you know, you're good to go kind of thing. But, um, yeah. So do you want to drop any, um, uh, giant pumpkin tips or just, you know, some tips in general for, for growing pumpkins? Well, I mean, all pumpkins want really well amended soil. You're really better off direct seeding that stuff and planting it out after it gets really warm most people tend to plant pumpkins too early or any kind of summer squash, especially like in my climate. Um, one of my good friends runs a pumpkin farm and my cousin runs a pumpkin farm too. And those guys often don't plant their jack-o'-lanterns until late June or even early July. 
Um, if you have like a decent growing season, most of the winter squash can be finished pretty quickly. Um, if you plant them right after the frost free date, it's sometimes not the best. Yeah. I've noticed there's kind of a sweet spot too. Like I've planted out stuff too late and, and too early. So I'm definitely going to wait until I think here, second week of June to like the first yes. week of July is, is probably yes. like the best time. Yeah. I, I um, shoot for the first week of June um, for me. And like, I think that's good. And that's like a contentious topic. Like a lot of my friends are into growing squash and pumpkins too. And like, there's always fights about when's the right date, but somewhere what you said is about right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, th- appreciate all the, uh, the seeds that you gave me this season. Yeah. yeah I was, ho- I was hoping, um, I don't know what else. Oh, the vining squash. I, I was hoping that the germination rate would be a little bit better on those. It, it, they was fine. It's just, if it's yeah. under 70%, I feel weird. So, yeah. so I wanted to make sure it was good, but yeah. Um, I actually want to use those to do a cross with, um, with a spaghetti squash to see if I can get like a round smaller spaghetti squash. So I was mm. thinking about maybe. Yeah, you know. could, you yeah. probably could. There's <laughs> well, there's so much variation in those. I mean, they, there's almost every like shape and size, you know, there. Yeah. So, so. what I actually did was I crossed it to the uh, Desi squash, which is like a r- small round one. Yeah. And then yep. started selecting them for the vining ones that are kind of small and round. And I have, yeah. you know, it's pretty, it's not super stable, but I got a population that's, that's like doing okay. I grew it out, you know, two years now. So sure. Sure. See what happens. But gotcha. anyways, so Lars, um, you want to go over some of the stuff that you grew this year? Yeah. Well, I had some exciting stuff that I didn't get to uh get you any seed of but um i guess i always my mind does always want to go and talk about that skirt just because i think it's such a cool plant and uh and tasty and perennial um which i did get you some seed of that so if anybody's listening go buy some skirt seed um it's an awesome perennial perennial crop in the carrot family and uh chris i think it was you that was doing doing some selections of those from seed right and they yes i have been yeah yeah you had some pink roots which i had never seen yes i have had some pink roots yeah yeah we we should trade some seed at some point or all i have white seeds so maybe it wouldn't be the greatest the greatest uh trade but (laughs) you never know man Skirt is great. I'm yeah. You go ahead and talk about it. If we get time at the end, I'll throw in my two cents. But I, Skirt is a pretty great crop. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you want to bring it up now, since we're talking about it, I mean, I started growing Skirt like maybe four or five years ago, and I initially kind of really pushed the perennial aspect of it, and I just stuck it in like random places, sometimes in like more perennial gardens, and just forgot about it. Yeah. Um, that stuff is damn near unkillable. Um, I mean, it can be in the, a horrible wet spot, a dry spot, you know, just terrible soil, whatever. It may not produce well, but it doesn't die. Um, and then, you know, then I, what I ended up doing is after I lived there for a year or two, I dug them all up and then selected what I thought were the best roots to plant out and then started making selections. But wow, that stuff is 
I mean, I have some that are still like in the most ridiculous spots and it just doesn't die. I wonder if you've noticed, um, I've, I've got some borrowed land that's not on my land. You know, I've got numerous different spots where I'm growing everything really. So I, I ended up putting skirt in three different spots in two different towns, essentially. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and my property here where I live is we're sort of consistently moist here. Okay. Yep. And, uh, and here I get these really big, fat, white, you know, really nice skirt roots. And um, at my veggie garden that I'm, I'm doing in the next town over, it's a much more dry situation. And I've got, I know I have certain parts of that garden that are really depleted. And um, then I put some skirt in a, in a very depleted bed. I know it's depleted. And uh, I got these really thin almost inedible hair roots mm -hmm. um, yeah and then and they were really russeted you know instead of being really nice white smooth roots they were uh they're almost like a russet potato you know sure so i'm kind of thinking these days that we they kind of like a, a more moist environment but i'm not i'm not sure about that yet i i'm positive that they prefer a really wet site not standing water but like a, a really heavy fertile consistently moist soil seems yep. to definitely make the happiest plants but they will live in almost anything yeah but yeah you won't get good root production you know yeah so yeah really cool plant though i would recommend anybody go grab some scared it's not something that you'll see for sale i haven't seen it for sale very often i was lucky enough to get just a small chunk of chunk of root with a couple eyes on it and i had no idea what it was and it took me years to propagate enough to actually eat and now i've been saving seed and i've got thousands of little seedlings around so yeah but definitely it took me seed. it's easy from seed although it, yeah. it took me years to find a seed source i looked for that for many years before i ever found a seed source for it yeah, the only place that I know off the top of my head is Cult of Variable. He he carries them, but I think, I don't know if they've been out of stock recently or what, but he's the only tea company that I know of off the top of my head. So it's definitely not a well-known edible crop. No. Should be. Yeah. Yeah, it should be. Hopefully change that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, what else did I, you suppose, Lars? I forget what else I, I gave you, folks. Oh, um, uh, scallions. Oh, yeah. Those are another great, another great uh, perennial crop. Um, I really like the perennial crops. I think, I think they're awesome. And a lot of times you can go harvest before anything else is, is coming in. You know, even if you grow cold weather crops, you're sort of waiting for them to well, in the spring anyway, you're usually waiting for your, your spinach to come in or, you know, things to kind of leaf out. But um, that scarret, I assume, could be dug as soon as you could get a, a fork in the ground or shovel in the ground. And um, and those perennial leeks, too, perennial scallions, um, Allium fistulosum, those are great because mm -hmm. they're you can go out super early and they're starting to push green growth and um they make they make kind of such a 
a big clump over time that you can get right in there and, and, um, pull out the whole little bulb, you know, I just harvest the whole bulbs or you can cut the, or you can cut the greens. That's fine too. But, and, uh, and I've been eating the flower heads, which is great, which I do with chives and chives, you know, split them up in your salads or something, but the allium fistulosum makes these massive heads. So you can, you can chop up these big heads and stir fry them or put them in your salad. But yeah, it's a great, that's a great perennial crop for sure. Um, the perennials are great because you don't need to, you don't need to put much work into them. <laughs> so, Yeah, that's another thing that's nice about those scallions is you could treat it like a perennial and kind of divide it out or you could just sow it like a, like a regular crop and just harvest them all out. Yeah. So, and I think yeah. if, if you're getting seed, I think, well, what I did anyway was, um, I, sprouted so way, too. I, yeah, I sprouted way too much seed, which is, I, you know, it's kind of a learning process for me to, to sort of force myself to not overplant everything that I grow. But, um, I sprouted a ton of seed in one tray and I just had like grass, you know, onion shoots coming out of this tray. So, um, I ended up planting them in little clumps, you know, maybe 20, 20 little seedlings together in a bunch of little clumps. And I actually like, like doing it that way. Cause I ended up with, within a year, I had big clumps of these perennial scallions. And, um, but I think that's, that's a good way to do it is to divide once they start getting a little too dense is to divide them out. And I think we get, you'll get bigger bigger scallions out of it and maybe easier to harvest and i actually do that with my chives too and you can actually get big fat chives if you actually divide up your clumps of chives and and same with chives i harvest the whole the whole plant i get right down and pull the bulb out so nice yeah and then uh you did your uh sunrise bumblebee tomatoes again Right. It's a yep. sunrise bumblebee. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Sunrise bumblebee. Yeah. Those are, those are just a nice, beautiful for sure. Tasty little cherry tomato. Um, and super prolific. I know for me anyway, they're just like, you know, falling over with, with clusters of fruit. So I've been really impressed with how, with how prolific those things are. And, uh, yeah, they're really good. They're really good. But I think I'm gonna I'm gonna probably do a handful of different varieties next year. Yeah, yeah, same. I'm gonna switch up uh, tomato varieties. Yeah. So, yeah. Tomatoes are tomatoes are endless. There's endless <laughs> tomatoes to play with. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else? Uh, I know you gave me some poppy seeds. I did give you a few different varieties of the yeah the poppy versumniferum, which is the bread seed poppy and those things seems like once you have them you'll never you'll never need to buy seed again so <laughs> they're uh they just keep coming back and you can weed them out if you don't want them in an area and um my garden is a, in a fairly visible spot um and i've got people coming over to the garden all the time asking me what these are commenting how beautiful my garden is and it's like they're basically just poppy weeds coming up everywhere so yeah if you want color in your garden definitely 
the, the Papa Gris Omnifair, I'm just come back year after year and self seed everywhere. And, and you can use the seeds for poppies, you know, for poppy seeds too. So. Yeah. yeah I think fun. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to grow some of those this year. I did yeah. like some flowers in front of my house or well, my wife did, but yeah, yeah. mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. That, um, was there anything else that you gave me? I'm trying to remember. Well, I feel like there's something there, else. The Concador yellow um, green beans, you know, yellow beans, um, which are another great, another great one. I would recommend those too. Another super productive, super productive bean. I grew uh, a different one this year, Jade, and I'm going to go back to the Concador because they just, you know, I had baskets and baskets of beans for quite a while during the summer and um, made a bunch of dilly beans. And then this year I didn't grow them and they, they, uh, I didn't get quite as many dilly beans this year as I did last year. So I'm going back to the Concador. <laughs> yeah. And that's actually, that was like the number one selling seed for a while on my site was those beans, which surprised yep. me. But, that's good yeah. to hear. Yeah. That's yeah. good to hear. You got to pick them a little bit, a bit, a little bit smaller than your common green bean, but, um, but for me, that was great. Cause I make all my beans pretty much into, um, into dilly beans, you know, and you can, the fact that you pick them a little bit smaller, you can really pack a lot of beans into a quart, quart jar or pint jar. So, yeah. And they get, they just get loaded. You pick the leaves up and it's just, completely yellow underneath the leaves so i was impressed with those yeah yeah this year um some new stuff i did i did um some parsnips which those are another crop that you could like kind of you can overwinter i had a bunch of seed that like when i went to go collect it fell on the ground and i just kind of let it self sow so i'll uh dig up some roots in the springtime kind of early yeah yeah that's another one there's a I mean, there's a handful of stuff that you can not necessarily perennial, but self seeders. And if you get it in the right, you know, on the right schedule, um, like kale, I noticed kale, I used to grow my, you know, I'd sprout kale early in the spring so that I would have greens as soon as possible. And, and I'd end up in the fall with these massive kale plants and, um, and they would all seem to pretty much die over the winter. And, uh, and one year I started some late and I ended up with, you know, little, maybe one foot tall kale plants by the time it started freezing and snowing. And the next year, uh, those survived the winter, grew up and seeded and made seedlings everywhere at the perfect age to then winter over again and go to seed again the next year. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that'll do that. And you can actually end up with a, it's a little bit more wild style of gardening but i really like it i mean potatoes i've had you know I've, i get potatoes coming up every year um i assume you'd want to sort of thin them out but garlic you know you can you're going to get much smaller bulbs but you can let your garlic winter over without harvesting and you'll just end up with more potatoes kale will self-seed I think broccoli rob will probably do that. A lot of the brassicas would, would maybe do that if you let them. But I like that kind of more wild style. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not, every, maybe, maybe not everywhere, but it's nice to have, you know, I didn't even seed kale this year and I had massive kale plants growing all over the place. And 
I didn't have to start them. I didn't have to sprout them. They just, they just came up and parsnips too. I've got little parsnip seed seedlings everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that happen with kale where I've done like um, baby greens for, you know, like salad green production and just had like a whole row of them harvested it out and just left it over the winter time. And then in the spring, you know, it all just came up and then they started to flower. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it works. Um, let's see what another anything else. Oh, I did some new peppers this year. I did that um that uh Nepali pepper, Nepalese pepper. That's like supposed to be it's um an heirloom, but it's 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 not like super hot. Like it, well, it is super hot, but it's it's like a spice that doesn't linger. So it's it's really interesting. I guess they use it mainly to make like a fermented chili paste which I got to try some of that and it was really good. So that's, that's a different kind of pepper, real small fruit, but um, the plants got like taller than not than, than me. So they were like probably like almost six feet tall plants with like, you know, like huge, huge leaves on them. So it was pretty crazy to have six foot tall pepper plants, just like loaded with all these like little, you know, like grape size red peppers. Yeah. Yeah. That's impressive. That, um, just give a kind of a shout out to that. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. The Bikino, Bikino pepper. Uh, that one I should definitely recommend. And I'm, I'm going to try and do a seed crop next year. Cause I really, I'm really impressed with it. Same thing. It's a small pepper. My plants didn't get anything that big, but small pepper. They say it's what I read about it is it's that it's a hot pepper, but I really don't find a whole lot of heat in it, but it's, it's the most flavorful pepper that I've ever tasted. It's like this fruity, smoky little nugget of flavor. They're really, really, really good. I've been really impressed. And for me, they're not that spicy, but well, you put them in any dish and, um, and they're just these little fla- flavor nuggets. They're really good. Bikino. I forget how you spell that. Bikino. I wrote it down somewhere, but... Oh, it's like BH something. Uh, is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. B U Q H I N O, I think. Bikino. Yeah, those are really good. Nice. Yeah, I didn't, I actually didn't do a lot of new stuff this year. Um, it was super wet around me. I did my, I did get a good, um, rattlesnake uh pole bean harvest this year so that that was good i had tons tons of beans like i think that's this is like the year i've had the most beans i've ever had in my entire life so which again again for any of your listeners that is one of the best pole beans i've ever tasted i was blown away when when i first started harvesting those it's it's just amazing amazing flavor and i grew some other ones next to it and they didn't even compare so grab some of those <laughs> those are good oh yeah and i uh for tomatoes i did um it was a mountain princess uh determinate tomato um and it was actually pretty it was very productive um but the fruit sizes and shapes are a little bit like all over the place so i wouldn't use it for like um like a farm production tomato but for like a homestead or garden like do whatever you want with a tomato kind of tomato. Like you could, you know, use that as a slicer. You could can it. 
you can make sauce. It, it's kind of like a good, just, you know, everything tomato. So super prolific. Um, the only thing is it was kind of, you know, cause it's determined. It was pretty much done by, I want to say like late September, which, um, which isn't a bad thing either. Um, you know, kind of start cleaning out the plants and stuff cause it's getting ready for fall anyways. But yeah, that's a good, good high, high production tomato. Yeah, I think that's all the that's all like all the new stuff that I have um, for this season. Oh, um, Thai chilies. That was the last one. It's another uh, pepper that I've been growing for years. And um, yeah, it's a good small small chili. That one's really spicy, so it's it's a lot, a lot more more spicy than a jalapeno, but less than a habanero. Definitely a lot of flavor. Um, I smoke dry those. And they come out nice. They're good to like throw like one or two of those in like a big pot of chili or something. So, yeah, I think, I think that's all I have. So anything else you guys want to chat about for, for 10 minutes or so. You guys have given me a lot of good ideas for new things to try. Yeah. 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 What, do you, what do you, what do you got? What are you thinking for uh, next year? Yeah. Anything uh, I mean, next year is definitely, I mean, every year for me is different. I think I've told you, like, I try to do like a really serious rotation plan through the different garden areas. So like what I do growing out year to year varies. Like I don't, certain crops I do grow every year, but then certain crops I only grow on like a, every other, every third year rotation. So next year I should be doing way more like eggplants, peppers, tomatoes, um, so forth so it'll be a little different mix than what i did this year chris are you are you uh still playing with potato seed i am um i actually got a pretty decent harvest of potato seed this year um it wasn't as much as i was initially expecting but i did i didn't offer any for sale because i'm a little fuzzy about it this is the first time that i ever produce potato seed in quantity and i tried cleaning it a couple different ways um i tried using sodium triphosphate and then i tried doing some fermented and then i tried doing some fermented partially and partially sodium triphosphate and i want to try to germinate some out and see what the results are i don't feel 100 confident like selling it to anybody um without knowing what, how it's going to turn out yet. Um, but I have a lot of seed. I mean, I'd be willing to trade some to somebody, but not to sell. And is that, is that for, um, disease concerns more or less? The, sod the sodium triphosphate or. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a faster and more aggressive way to clean potato seeds. Um, it does the same thing that fermenting does. It just does it in about 10 minutes instead of four or five days. Okay. Um, just like, it's a really hardcore way to do it. Um, yeah. So yeah it just, does the same thing. It just like breaks yeah. down all the pulp and stuff around the, yeah. And the, like the, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. It just uh, dissolves the gel coat and all yep. the germination just, inhibitors and stuff. Yep, and just yep. cleans it all off. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I did really well actually with uh, potato, true potato seed this year. Um, 
So I'm pretty excited about that to try to do some more grow outs. Um, and so. is that, is that just basically an open pollination kind of in your, in your garden of numerous varieties or are you doing, are they deliberate crosses or. I would love to do deliberate crosses, but I'm terrible at it. Um, everything I produce this year is just bee pollinated. It's all open pollinated stuff. I've been trying to do tomato and potato crosses for years and I'm just awful at it and it doesn't generally work. So I have to take what the bees give me. Yeah. 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 I've had like last, last year or is it this? No, it was this year. I had, I had like no, um, like, you know, potato fruits, like none at all. The year before I did all right. But yeah, this year it was like, everything fell off, you know, and, yeah. and usually it'll do that during the hottest part of this year. And, you yes. know, and we didn't even have the heat this year and they still just all, they all dropped their fruit. So I don't know. Um, you know, if that's, it's not consistent, yeah. it's not consistent, man. Um, last year I got effectively no potato fruit and this year some varieties made a few, some varieties made none and some varieties were just loaded, like just ridiculous amount of fruits. So a crapshoot every year for me yeah it's got to be like i don't even know how you do like a hand pollination or something then it, it'd probably be maddening to like go out there and try and pollinate all these flowers and they just like hell drop their fruit anyways yeah so yeah there's that too so that seems <laughs> not worth the effort <laughs> well i'm hoping to get some i've got a good good list for next year of some exciting things that hopefully i'll I'll be able to save a bunch of seed, seed from for you. Nice. Um, of course, yeah, every me, me too. Yeah, yeah. So good things to look forward to. Anyway, of course, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, you know, I feel like every year I've got a nice big list of cool stuff to to grow out and save seed, and half of it either you know, just things don't work out the way you plan it sometimes. So. We'll have to see how it goes, but yeah. Yeah. I planted yeah. a bunch of those honey nut um, butternuts and I was so psyched because I had like vines and I even planted them late. So I, I was like just on like the margin and they started putting out fruit and the fruit started to ripen. And then like a bunch of deer came in and just like trampled them and like just took chomps out of them. So yeah, I was like, oh, it's just disappointing. <laughs> So it doesn't yeah. always work out like you planned, but and I, I was kind of surprised because they don't usually bother my squash, but for whatever reason, those are nice and small and sweet. So yeah, that's it. If you plan enough things, you end up with something at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it for sure. And it's usually more than enough. So yeah, exactly. You know. All right, well, you guys if there's anything else um you want to drop all your information and and we'll get out of here um yeah i can be found most most likely on instagram at esoteric agriculture and i have a youtube channel same name esoteric agriculture lars where can everyone find you yeah i'm on instagram quite a bit posting pictures uh yonder mountain nursery and that's kind of my main focus in the summer, I guess, is a perennial, kind of rare, rare perennial plant nursery in Bethlehem, New Hampshire. 
So if anybody's coming through the White Mountains, you should look me up and swing by and uh, check my place out. Pretty cool little spot, I think. Yeah, there's actually a lot to do around you too, if you, you know, especially in the summertime. You're right, right on Main Street, there's a brewery, there's some restaurants, so you can go go buy some plants, you know, get yourself a drink, have some nice food. Go get oh, yourself man. Go take a hike, go take a hike yeah. up the road. <laughs> Go, go get yourself a drink and then come spend yeah. some money at the <laughs> Yeah. No, we live in a beautiful area. White Mountains, we're like right at the base of, well, you know, pretty close to Mount Washington. And uh, yeah, it's beautiful up here for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it was good talking with you guys. Yes, Likewise. sir. Thanks. All right. Talk to you later. Yeah. Thanks, See guys. You. Good talking. Well, that's it for this episode. I'd like to thank Chris and Lars for coming back on. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Focus Seeds or check out my website, focusseeds.com. Focus is spelled P-H-O-C-A-S. Happy growing. Peace.